You're listening to the Orchestra Teacher Podcast. Welcome to the Orchestra Teacher Podcast. This is Dr. Charles Laux, and I am back with our third episode for today with an amazing uh, person and someone I just met uh, not too long ago, actually, Miss Katie Eeks is here from all the way from Anchorage, Alaska. Katie, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So um, we met, uh, I guess, in November when I was uh, in Anchorage for the very first time. And then um, we got to get we got to know each other a little bit better a couple few weeks ago when I was there uh, working with you guys and uh, all the awesome teachers there in Anchorage. We just had an awesome, such a fun time and uh, got to share all kinds of ideas and and all of that. So um, Katie is a bass player and uh, you've been. Uh, you've been in Anchorage for a long time. Can you tell us a little bit about like your background and where you're from and, and all that you've done? Sure. Um, I am a born and raised Alaskan. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of people here from all over, um, but I was raised here and um, I uh, went to Texas Tech and I met Paul Sharp. Actually, he's from Alaska, uh, the oh. base professor. And so I ended up um, in Lubbock, Texas, and um, I spent six years there, and um, I did the Texas Tech String Project five years with that program, um, which is just incredibly invaluable, honestly. Yeah, the the String Projects are just, uh, you can't really beat it for getting that that pre-service experience. It was amazing. Uh, My... Um, two supervising instructors were Dr. Bruce Wood and oh. um, Margaret Brown. And she, I think she's in Dallas, Texas right now. Okay. Um, but she just retired uh, in the past couple of years from public school teaching and moved to the university level, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but then I, uh, after I graduated, I came back to Alaska and uh, applied for a position with the Anchorage School District, and I've been teaching for 17 years now. So, awesome, awesome. And uh, you're you have uh, several schools that you're at. You're mostly first, second, third year players. To tell us about your your schools and situation, because I know that they were very different. The two schools. <laughs> they they are. Uh, it seems almost uh, like oil and water, but when you get down to it, kids are kids. Um, I teach at a title one middle school. That's only seventh and eighth grade, which is a part of the history of Anchorage school district. Um, we should be adding sixth grade in the future. And then I teach also at a K eight back to basics ABC school. Um, but I only teach sixth through eighth grade orchestra and I teach, um, beginning sixth grade orchestra five days a week. And then the seven, eight class is a combination. And I teach that class five days a week as well. So I'm teaching uh, four or five classes a, a day yeah. between two schools. Yeah. And, but it, it sounds like, and you've been at those schools for a while or are you've moved, uh, you've moved schools within, within your district a few times, right? Yeah, yeah, I've taught um, a couple elementaries and I've taught um, at two different high schools, literally on the opposite sides of the district. Uh-huh. Um, 
Yeah, that was a little bit hard, but I never stopped teaching at Central. Um, Central uh, Middle School has been my home school since the very beginning, and um, that um, I've been there for 17 years. And then at Northern Lights, um, it's a K-8 school. I think my eighth graders this year will ha uh, have been kindergartners when I started teaching there. Yeah. So hopefully the only orchestra teacher and experience or whatever starts with me. Yeah, yeah. And so you, uh, you're an active double bass player as well uh, in uh, Anchorage area. Tell us a little bit about your experience with that. Um, I love playing. <laughs> I took the first year off um, when I when I moved back to Alaska, um, but then I uh, auditioned into the Anchorage Symphony, and um, it, it had such such a maternal group, and it was so uh, loving and accepting. Um, when I got there, one of the uh, classroom music teachers with the longest tenure in the uh, in the district. Um, was our principal bass player, Miriam DeLapp, and um, she just retired, mm -hmm. and she was just, um, she left a legacy, and um, then uh, after she retired, there was auditions for principal bass, and then assistant principal bass, and so currently, um, another middle school orchestra teacher is the principal bass, and I'm assistant principal, um, and then there's one more middle school orchestra teacher, two more classroom music teachers, and a private music teacher, all in the bass section. Like, wow. the, yeah, the entire bass section, are, we're all music educators, which is super cool. That is awesome. Yeah. yeah. It, it sounds like the um, the symphony, like, will, uh, well, has to, I guess, uh, have rehearsals uh, in the evenings and things when teachers are free. Yeah, there's a couple times when things get overlapped. Um, when, this last year, um, my principal bass was at a concert with my son, but I had to go to rehearsal because somebody had to leave the bass section. So wow. I missed it. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and it's about 100 nights a year. Oh, wow. Wow. So yeah. you're between school and that, you're pretty busy. And then you play with the opera as well. Yeah, there's three operas a season. Okay. Typically, the middle opera is a um, new work and a very reduced work. So I'm often not playing that one. So I'll play the beginning of the season in October and then the end of the season in April or May. Okay. Um, but I'm the principal base of the opera, which I very much love. <laughs> yeah, like you're just crazy busy. And, and then you also uh, are in a tribute band. You were telling me on uh, bass guitar. Yeah, yeah, this band is, um, uh, they're close to my heart. Uh, it's its my dad's band from when they were in high school. It's this original band that came out of a class called Camarada from East High School. Uh -huh. And they, they've been playing together for 50 years. Amazing. And yeah, yeah. So they have a they have a book, they have history, and their bass player moved out of state and... Mm -hmm. You know, everybody is getting close to 70. So um, they brought me in and um, I've been playing bass guitar with this reunion band. We've played, I think, three reunions now. <laughs> so that's kind fun. of odd and fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, something different, but still musical. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the bass guitar is new to me, um, but also very important, I feel like, um, for bass players. And I actually, I got the bass guitar originally. I got hired to play The Little Mermaid, um, the Broadway show. Mm-hmm. And they needed upright and bass guitar. So I was like, well, here we go. Yeah. So you're really yeah. pushing yourself. That's that's pretty good. And uh, and then you're also, you know, in the physical fitness. I know we talked about that a little bit. Um, yep. Yeah. Like always working out, taking care of yourself. But that's what keeps you going. You know, you have uh, when I when I said we should have you on the podcast, like you have the greatest energy and um, this that enthusiasm, and you can just tell that uh, your heart is 100% into teaching, and that's what it's all about. So, um, tell us about uh, some of your some of the things you do with your beginners, or any, like uh, uh, special strategies or techniques, or anything that maybe you do with your beginners that you you know would love to share with um, our some of our listeners. Sure. Um, well, uh, first thing is music is sound first. So I try to introduce concepts uh, with sound first before I do anything else. Sound or touch, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And then um, this has been a very unique learning experience for me as a mom. Uh, The age group I teach is also currently the age group of my own children. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm able to sort of see some of the development uh, you know, issues, uh, both at home and then at school and sort of want to accommodate them. So I talk to kids with, um, language like, um, growing pains. We're going to try this and we're probably going to have some squeaks, make some mistakes, but that's just part of the process. I'll probably squeak too. And then, uh, and go forward. And I try to do that so that they feel safe to try. Yeah. That's important. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's, um, you know, they're people and they're gonna, um, I don't ever want to be that music teacher that gives them a bad memory. Right. So, um, just remembering that, you know, these things are, it's, it's a first experience. They're not going to be perfect at it. So they need to have multiple attempts and I need to be patient, um, Mm -hmm. and realize that. So I just try to kind of keep that um, line of thought through how I deal with kids in general, when it comes to discipline, there are people, I'm a person, I want, um, the same respect that they would like, Yeah, you know, that we say, please, thank you. And I'm sorry, you know? <laughs> great. great. I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, I think there's so many kids out there that want to do it, need, need to do it perfectly, or they don't want to do it at all. Or there's kids out there that, uh, if they don't have it perfect, they just shut down. So it's a really great uh, nurturing atmosphere and that you bring. I'm trying, I'm trying, you know, a lot of times um, it takes a while before something clicks. Um, And even more so, I think I've heard or read some research that part of what um, inspires a kid to keep going is that they identify with the music that they are, that they have identified as a musician, Mm -hmm. right? Oh, playing violin is something that I do. I'm going to keep, yeah. And so, um, but in order to get to that point, they have to decide that they're good at it. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So I have to keep the door open so that they can become good at it. <laughs> That's right. And, and um, it, it's all a part of that, of that process of motivation and making it intrinsic rather than, well, here's a, you know, here's candy or something like that. So it's, that's really great. Really great. Tell us a little bit about, I, I know a lot of our viewers are probably like, what is, what is music like in, in Alaska? What is, what are the programs like in Alaska? And, and a lot of people have asked me, but kind of tell us, uh, uh, you know, a little bit about, I know, uh, well, about the state and the MEA and the music, you know, program and music programs in general. You just kind of give sure. us like a little overview. I think a lot yeah. of people will find it interesting because when I went up, it's, um, you know, it, it feels like it's a very different place. Um, but the people are awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Alaska is, is so unique um, and quite isolated. Uh, main spots uh, in the state include Fairbanks, uh, Anchorage, Kenai, um, and the Southeast, Juneau, Sitka. Um, and so we have... Um, and and Anchorage is about 300 or more thousand, and we only have one school district for it. Um, we don't have multiple school districts. Um, and our programs typically don't offer uh, marching band. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, probably that, a lot of snow for that in the fall. Right, right. There's a group in the Valley that has been doing it, and they even got to go, I think, on a trip to New York and participate in a parade. Do they have um, some indoor facilities or no? Oh, yeah, uh, I'm sure they do. There's the big centers, sports okay. complexes, but I don't, I don't know how they make that happen. Right, right. Okay. Um, but so the, so the, but there's also not a football season exactly to go with the marching band. So we're the whole, you know, the bathwater and the bath are out the window with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we do have strings offered in the schools so mm -hmm. it's not exclusively uh band and choir um and uh, as far as i understand in most districts in our state um so we do have um uh, both ensembles and they start in sixth grade as a it's a pull out sure but it's three days a week uh, for 45 minutes typically that's, that's a pretty good amount of time normally pull outs are two days a week and a lot shorter. So that's great. Um, yeah. It's really nice. Sixth grade is the beginning year for band and orchestra. We have in the school district and Anchorage school district, and we have about 92 to 96% of our sixth graders are in band and orchestra, Wow. which yeah, it's fantastic. You know, um, I'm so glad that you brought up about uh, retention from building to building a couple weeks ago, because <laughs> The 92 in sixth grade does not translate to seventh grade. But. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad, right? I mean, can you imagine? Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, Hopefully that'll get fixed. But you said that um, the sixth grade programs are kind of, I remember hearing that they were like really highly encouraged because that allows for those sixth grade teachers to actually have a planning period. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's amazing what that does. <laughs> I know, right? Shucky darn. Yeah. Um <laughs> So we have, yeah, so we have band and orchestra. Um, choir happens outside of the school day, typically in elementary. And then in middle school, choir gets added as an option. Okay. 
Uh, there are, at the middle school level, there are not too many guitar, ukulele, keyboard classes. At the high school levels, those are a little bit more offered. Okay. Um, one or two schools um, might have a band teacher who decided to get gung-ho with the drum line. Um, mm -hmm. And then we have... So that's the public school. So, and then in the middle schools, we have uh, what's called All City Orchestra, and it's the honor group and band, of course. And then um, an elementary uh, honor orchestra, band, and choir. Then the in the city, there's another group. There's Alaska Youth Orchestras, and they also provide um, uh, orchestra, and it really uh, it feeds a lot of the homeschool families as okay. well, but they have multiple levels of classes. They have a symphony school, um, which they just started this last year, uh, which is probably like the age group that I'm teaching for second, third year students, okay. for two classes, but that, but that age group is not sixth or eighth grade. That could be fourth graders. Yeah. Okay. So then they have a pre-audition class. And then I think they have two levels of youth symphony. So there's, those opportunities. Um, we have, uh, there's a jazz band festival. I think that the high school band directors have arranged mm -hmm. and we have um, solo and ensemble. Uh, and then we also have the large group uh, festivals where each orchestra goes and performs on stage for an adjudicator, but we only have one adjudicator and no sight reading. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's a little different than a lot of places. Um, and one thing we talked about was uh, accessibility to professional development and things like that are pretty difficult and mm -hmm. uh, obviously pretty expensive to get in and out to go to a conference or things like that. So um, you have the summer academy that, that we just did. And so you, um, you know, have different people come in to do that. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's two adult camps that you could attend as well. There's a camp at um, University of Fairbanks in the summer. Uh, that's been a two-week-long art camp for a long time. It's actually where I met Paul Sharp and um, uh, made the connection to go. So these are for, this is this is a kids camp. The, well, there is a kids camp, but there's an adult camp. There's a teacher too. camp too. Okay, wow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, my grandmother was my sponsor, so I got to go. Nice. <laughs> Yeah. Thanks, and then, Grandma. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and then there's a big fine arts camp that uh, I think that's actually a kids camp in Sitka, the Sitka Fine Arts Camp. Um, and uh, Zul Bailey plays there. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's nice. But uh, uh, everything's pretty spread out. Like, how far is it from Fairbanks to uh, um, to Anchorage? It's a six to eight hour drive. Yeah. See, I think a lot of people don't realize, too, um, when I flew from Atlanta to Anchorage, it was an eight-hour flight. And I was telling people, I was like, I could probably, I could go to Europe faster. <laughs> right. You know, so uh, it's uh, it's quite amazing. People forget how big the state is and how spread apart uh, the major um, population areas are, the big cities. Are, um, I mean, I wouldn't call Anchorage a big city. But uh, it's a it's where a lot of people are, yeah. Yeah, for yeah. for sure. Um, it and it, um, you know, something that came out of pandemic um, was all the remote conferences, remote all the stuff that just sort of popped out, and it became available for somebody like me. Mm -hmm. So I got to attend Nam in January, right? 
I think 2020 or, 20, or 2021, you know, yeah. virtually um, yeah. for my living room. Yeah. And we were talking yeah. about um, last hour um, about the ASTA uh, virtual summit that's, that's coming uh, in next month, the 17th and 18th. That that's something that is new too, and uh, you know, Asta is realizing that a lot of people can't get away, or it's funding issues, or it's time, and uh, the virtual things. It's not the same, but a lot of great information, a lot of great presenters, and and uh, and things like that. And you can, you know, have that opportunity. Even um, I, I got to put a plug in for Ohio State here. I got my my shirt on. The Ohio State workshop uh, is happening next month as well. Um, the ninth, I believe, uh, or so of, of July for a whole week. And, um, that is also, there's a hybrid version of that too. So there's a bunch of, um, new sessions and archive sessions that people can attend and use. So it's a, there's a lot of availability now, uh, that way virtually, um, especially for uh, those that are far away or again, just have busy family lives or both or, funding issues or all three, you know, so. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, it. Um, I'm really hope hoping that um, uh, conventions continue yeah. online. That's you been know? really helpful for you guys, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, and the cost is a lot less, and you don't have to pay the travel, and you know. Oh my gosh! Right, yeah. because the first thing you have to do is get to Seattle. Okay, and then <laughs> you got to go from there wherever they need you need to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Direct flights are hard. I I uh, I had a direct flight uh, when I was up. But uh, I did. I had a direct flight in November too, and then they they canceled that, and I went through Seattle. <laughs> right, so, right. Yeah, so that happens. But um, yeah, so very cool, very cool. Uh, and then, um, what are some of the things that you're seeing? Uh, may, I, we, I know, I know some of them. We've already we talked about a lot of them um, when I was there. But maybe sharing with our our listeners too some of the things you're seeing um, post pandemic uh, in your classrooms and just. I guess school-wide vibes. What are what are you guys experiencing? And it may be different than what someone in Florida is experiencing. Um, uh, I feel like kids are extremely familiar. Um, you know, they they seem a little bit younger, and mm-hmm. they talk over each other. Um, they definitely touch and hug and stuff like that. Okay, um, but it. <clears throat> when we were doing school virtually, um, in Alaska, or at least in Anchorage, you know, you could sit in front of your, your class and you could eat lunch and you could talk to mom if you put the computer on silent, yeah. you know, and stuff like that. So kids have translated that to the classroom. <laughs> oh no, that's not good. Right. Yeah. And I'm yeah. not sure what, what our, uh, our listeners, you know, if, if you guys feel the same way, um, is that happening in your classroom more frequently, that kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good, I mean, it's a good question, you know, uh, and, um, I'm not sure if I, um, mentioned this when you were here, but I realized that, um, you know, I've got a long time in my teaching career still and, 
I'm going to be teaching kids who are um, going to be adjusting to life after COVID forever. Mm -hmm. My cousin has um, a three-year-old son and um, they're very active with him, but he's already delayed because of masks in his speech. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, I'm going to be teaching for another 15 years. Those kids are going to be coming through our classrooms for another 15 years. So this this is an adjustment that is here to stay for a little while, I think. Yeah. And you wonder when the roll off will really happen or if this is just how it is now. Yeah. Well, I think that if we don't adjust, then um, we are going to kind of set ourselves up for failure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing that was really surprising to me was uh, a lot of the attendance uh, issues that you're having there. Uh, just kids getting to school um, or coming to school or choosing to come to school. Can uh, I elaborate uh, a little bit on that? Yeah. Or, or their parents. Um, it has been wild. Uh, we had a huge push to get, um, I think, 90% attendance by 2020. And then the pandemic hit and we were, <laughs> we were remote. And so attendance became, you know, some kids never popped back up for us. Um, there were kids that were lost. And then um, the, if you're sick, stay home, um, yeah. we came through. And so kids were staying home. And so at the same time, teachers are also trying to learn how to teach in person and also provi- provide remote education. Right. Right. And which is just not the same uh, with music, with, you know, on <laughs> right. yeah. oh my gosh. Um, and then uh, from there, uh, parents, um, I don't know what's been happening, but there's been parents pulling kids out and this for the first time in my career, I think I had three seventh graders drop out of school this year. Like completely drop out seventh graders. Seventh graders. The last time I saw one of the kids was third quarter. And uh, yeah, it is just, it's amazing. And um, their families are keeping them out. You know, they still show up and sometimes there might be an excuse um, in the attendance list. And sometimes there isn't. Um, so I am, uh, a little bit worried, Yeah, <laughs> you know, about those lost kids. Yeah. Because, you know, if, they, if they're not there, they're not going to learn. And then it just kind of snowballs. Exactly. Uh, exactly. And Alaska is the dangerous place, you know? Okay. It, it, you mean, uh, how, how do you mean by that? Well, um, there's first the weather and the climate, sure. uh, which is just a natural hazard. And then, um, then after that, all the abuse statistics, all the, all that, those numbers are really bad for Alaska, which okay. is so unfortunate. And a lot of it is because of isolation. Right. Being inside. And, you know, there's, I mean, when I was there, it was warm and I, I mean, it was, it was raining most of the days I was there, which was a bummer. But a yeah. lot of people were still outside walking, I noticed, and um, just getting outside, you know. But I can't imagine um, how that probably doesn't happen as frequently. Um, I don't. I didn't really see people walking outside when I was there in November, <laughs> although I was only there for a day. Um, I give that. But uh, you know, it's it's it is uh, something that I guess we should be 
people up there should be concerned about and yeah, thinking about. Yeah. It, um, it, well, it's kind of cute because you end up seeing, um, violinists and cellists coming into symphony with like an extra coat on their case. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's one lady, she, it's really cute. She has a coat for her cello. She oh. puts it on her back. The coat goes on the cello. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, otherwise it could probably be pretty bad, uh, with the dryness and cracks and especially bass player. Do you have a lot of problems with your bass? Um, I have to adjust my bass, um, twice a year, uh, the, uh, bridge adjusters, okay. to the strings. Um, yep. and, and I just have to adjust it. I keep a huge humidifier, uh, in the, um, basement of my house and that is going regularly. Yeah. Um, but it does need adjustment. And I ended up having to get, um, a rod put, a, a carbon fiber rod put in the neck of my instrument. Um, because the, unfortunately it was made with newer wood. Mm, yep. So. Yep. That happens sometimes. Yeah. But I just can't imagine, um, like the, the, the extremes, uh, the elements on your instruments and, you know, you come back after a uh, winter break, I'm sure you're spending at least a day tuning all those instruments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. January, February can be really bad. Yeah. Um, when I was growing up, it'd be like two weeks of 20 below zero and, but now what it looks like is my fingers cracking from turning. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine that either, especially when you get the, uh, the very fun instruments with the, with the fine tuners that are like little graters of your fingers. Yeah. Right. Oh, right. boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, well, I, you know, I'm just trying to think uh, if there's, you know, anything else that you um, have on your mind or, you know, want to share with our, with our listeners. Um, there were so many fascinating uh, teachers uh, there with that I got to meet and work with, and um, you all had kind of different stories. And so, uh, there were, you know, quite a few of you that were like locals and had been raised there. But then, you know, like Rodrigo's from Brazil, and like it was just really cool to uh, meet different people and and do that. But um, I I bet it's really interesting some of the diversity that you have uh, up there. Yeah, it's, um, I told you the base section was full of teachers, mm -hmm. but not one of us are alike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, that there's that, um, yeah, the, the thing about, um, the thing about that really, um, I want to press when I think about music education, um, is, uh, well, there's a couple of things. Mm -hmm. um, one is that um, string music is not limited to um, classical music. Yeah. And it is not always encouraging or inviting to say, let's play this piece that everybody's played a million times. Again, it's good for you to learn it, mm -hmm. right? Instead, why don't we explore something new, yeah. you know, um, and make string playing relevant, you know, we can, mm -hmm. I love Beethoven's fifth. I've played it three times. You can only play Beethoven's fifth so many times within a lifetime. Right, right. You know? um, so um, really expanding what roles string players have in the music world, I think is crucial for our young people to know uh, what to do with the information that we're giving them. Yeah. Um, because when I was growing up, all I, I was like, okay, 
I want to play music. I want to teach. I'm going to be a music teacher. There's no other job for me. Right. And that, yeah. and that was, and, and then, and also at, when I was in school, I was being told that the symphony careers were dying out and there's definitely not a, a, a you can't make a life out of um, a symphony career in Alaska, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but what other options are there? And I'm trying to provide those uh, or at least make the kids aware. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to go with that bass playing and bass players are it, it, I feel like it underserves a bass player. If you only teach them a classical style, mm-hmm. if you not introduce them uh, charts or how to even read a chart or what a chart is or yeah. how to play something that isn't classical because people will ask a bass player, Oh, can yeah. you play X, Y, Z slap the bass? Da, 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 da. So <clears throat> it, if you only teach a bass player, you know, one side of things, there's a whole nother genre, a whole nother world that they could learn. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish somebody had kicked me in the butt and told me, <laughs> same, <laughs> same here. I told me to join jazz band when I was in school, but I was too terrified that I was going to screw up and make a bad sound and everybody yeah. would like, you know? Um, so those things are really important. Um, and then I saw, um, some of your podcasts with, um, the ASTA president and oh, yeah. she's Rebecca. Yeah. Yeah. She spoke on, um, caring for your hearing. Yes. And I am so grateful that that work is being done. Um, it needs to be done and it needs to be shared and it needs to be shared professionally while the adults that are performing now still have hearing, (laughs) you know, that kind of, um, preservation is, is huge. And, um, I don't know much about it, um, but I'd like to, and I, as a music educator, I feel like it's my duty to also inform my students on how to preserve their hearing. Yeah. Well, definitely, uh, keep, keep an eye on Rebecca's work because, uh, she's, she's amazing. And, uh, the work that she does is amazing. And, and, uh, if there is, uh, good research to come out of that area, she will find it and she will present it, you know? I'm excited about that. (laughs) That's really cool. That's really cool. Well, this has been so fun. Um, and, uh, I, I just, like I said, I had the greatest time, uh, working with you all up there and, um, uh, so hospitable and, um, the, we just had great conversations, uh, one after another, after another, after another, and everybody was participating and, um, it was just a joy, uh, to be there. And it's great to get to know you. I appreciate you, um, coming on the podcast today and, you know, sharing a, a little bit about yourself and, um, how it is up North. Um, but yeah, it's, a uh, uh, it's really cool. And, uh, like I said, uh, just super fun to be able to, to learn from you and, and get to know you a little bit and all the rest of the teachers in Anchorage. So um, excited about coming back uh, in Yay! November. I know. I can't wait uh, to do Allstate. So that'll be a lot of fun. Back in that'll the cold be- times in November. <laughs> so bring your coat. <laughs> I will bring my, my coat, gloves, a scarf, and hat for sure. Perfect. <laughs> but thank you again. And um, send everybody up there my best. And um, Everybody, uh, uh, Katie, I will um, put up her uh, school email on the podcast description if you're interested in asking questions or, um, you know, you have some base specific things uh, too. Um, I'm sure she's happy to chat with you on email or whatever. So, sure. 
Thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, this is a a wrap for um, this week on Orchestra Teacher Podcast. Um, We had three great episodes, three amazing guests, and it was just been super fun. So um, we will see you all next time. And uh, we got some great guests coming up as well. So keep you posted about that. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. For resources and more information, visit orchestrateacher.net.